millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Now you might notice that my voice is high fidelity AF. I'm recording from the new What Culture HQ headquarters, which I, I don't even know when we're fully moving into them, but it should be across the rest of this year. I'm here right now. I've got a new microphone. Jules Gill, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, mate. I'm living vicariously through the one angle that I've seen of the new podcast. <laughs> room, but trust me, ladies and gentlemen, I know that you can't see this out in audio land, but it looks absolutely stunning. There's I gave him a little that- laptop tour. There's that lovely sort of like a uh, foamy uh, wall paneling stuff that's mm-hmm. going on. There's exposed brickwork giving it that sort of like <laughs> like hipster vibe to it. Oh, it's lovely. It's stuff. a lovely time. There's optional lighting depending on what whatever's being covered. We, and we can make it look all lovely and, oh, and yeah, blue for us. And it's a lovely time. But yeah, you this is the untitled. Oh, go on. I was, yes. was going to say, what are we doing right now? What What's we're doing, Jules Skill, is the Untitled Banner podcast, the UBP, a UBP, the UBP. P, which is where we ask people for whatever they'd like us to talk about, whether it be certain questions or talking points or whatever's happening in the gaming industry, which the gaming industry itself continues to be very much on its backside. There's not really a whole lot going on. Um, and a lot of games continue to get pushed uh, into next year, including Evil Dead just got pushed back this morning. But it doesn't matter because we've still got an absolute ton of submissions. Um, and we got loads of questions last week. So I thought we'd just roll them over to this week. I always feel sorry for uh, when we get so many p- uh, questions through. I always want to try and get to as many as possible. Um, so why not do a bonus roller? Plus, I uh, also asked for any additional, only the juiciest questions to add to this pile. And we did get a couple of super juicy ones in there. So we'll see how many we can get through. Now, first question is from... Juiciest and bruciest. Juiciest. Only the finest. So the first question from Son of Kratos. uh, With the absolute wealth of top-tier indie games coming out, like Death's Door, Omno, and The Ascent, has the so-called indie title, have so-called indie titles, become the new AAA in terms of game quality? Now, I don't know about you, but I've been living on Death's Door and The Ascent. Um, and I've definitely spent more time, especially across the last sort of two or three months on indie stuff. I don't know if that's the same as you, but I, I would mostly agree with this. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, the thing is, is that when you look at the indie market, what you are really getting is uh, lower budgets, but huge originality mm. bonuses. Um, I love AAA titles like your, your Dooms, your Doom Eternals, all of like the big name stuff that comes out. That's absolutely fine. But as you start to filter towards trying to capture a, a as big a market as possible, you start to maybe have to um, make uh, concessions on originality in order to get there. Like yep. a lot of FPS titles, they do play the same. And in apart from some like degrees of varying aesthetics, they look the same as well in terms of their HUD and layout. But you go into like the indie uh, market and you'll find shooters that have 
have you shooting bullets that fire enemies back through time and then it'll be like <laughs> 2D like a ricocheting stuff off the wall. Like time only moves when you do in Super Hot. Yeah, it's, it's like, a, it's, it's basically like um, indie games have this lovely ability to just go, we're choosing one gimmick and we're running with it. Whereas mm. AAA titles tend to have to be like, right, here's one gimmick, but it's a part of like 30 other ones because we're trying to hook in as many people as possible, mm. trying to tick all these boxes. So yeah, I totally think that uh, indie games give you that lovely slice of being able to scratch that very specific itch that you're looking for. It's interesting because like that whole, like, that, that assumption that the AAA space would be where the newest, fanciest ideas are, like it was obviously the case across the 2000s and most of the 2010s, but I feel like now the AAA space is just the most expected, the most cyclical, the most recycled stuff that mm. you've like seen before. And like, I mean, it's not like, um, you know, it's not like something like uh, Death's Door is doing something that hasn't been done by, especially something like a Zelda before, but um, it has a level of charm and quality that I think is just so missing from the AAA space. It's, yeah. You know, you, there's always some bug, some glitch, some problem on launch day, whatever that, push, that puts you off. Do you think that they're more endearing because of the fact that we know they come from smaller studios? I mean, sometimes they seem yeah, to down so. to like one or two people. And I think that when I know that going into a video game, mm. I'm a lot more forgiving when it comes to bugs and visual glitches because I think to myself, I couldn't do this, let alone some like teams of 50 to 60 people couldn't do this. And yet one or two people have spent their entire lives trying to get this game to market and it's finally mm -hmm. here. Like that journey really infuses a game no matter what well, I mean, it is with a sense of like like real sort of like oh yeah good on you yeah good on you story right. that could that was what kind of got me through uh no man's sky where i was like 13 people i know that game was like on fire for a lot of people but i like mm -hmm. i like the fact that 13 people had a go and i think that i mean what's the old, the old school phrase of like too many cooks spoil the broth it's like well you have like hundreds of like a lot of people yeah. making this one broth in the triple a space and sometimes you just need it to be smaller i do think there's an overreach going on in regards to the overall team sizes i just think it is bloated um and someone like rockstar i would rather they split off into 20 smaller teams and give me a bunch more games that are you know from rockstar overall as opposed to waiting eight years and doing one gta they they split off a faction of them and they dedicate a team to making rockstar uh ping pong too and yes <laughs> bring that on mate bring that, that on. and max Payne. i mean there's the, the two boxes that need to be ticked yeah um but yeah overall i would absolutely say that indie has right now eclipsed AAA in regards to overall game quality in regards to like bugs glitches feeling that the thing you have in front of you is a piece of quality content um yeah. as opposed to you can throw it right up against the likes of cyberpunk or something else um as just dropping the ball um next question from McAllister from new york city is earl gray the proper british tea or is it english breakfast or are both just a way to make us silly yanks feel posh uh, the thing is, is that like the uh, the Americans have got a real sort of fascination with our fascination of tea. Like yes, yes, we love it, and it is pretty much our lifeblood, which makes blood transfusions very very difficult in the NHS <laughs> when they have to go like, oh, sorry, your blood type, your tetley doesn't match. Your uh, tea not he getting needs in. decaf, like sort of thing. But <laughs> when it comes to Earl Grey, I find that that is incredibly powerful, potent tea. So mm. I only have it on very special occasions. It's very it's flowery. Like, well, it's kind of just like um, you wouldn't sit down and start your meal with a scotch, would you? You wouldn't like no. you wouldn't like bash a shot down before <laughs> having your meal. So like sitting down sometimes and looking at an old grey, it kind of like, you know, like when people say like drinking Guinness is like a pie in a can. Yep. It feels like that, but for tea, it's like, I just I, like that whole thing of like, what's the proper British tea for me, it's going to be like Tetley's or PG tips or something. It's not like, it's not fancy stuff. I think that's the assumption. I think that's the peripheral view of the UK that we're all like little fingers out. We're drinking these tiny little, <laughs> tiny little shots of tea. And I think it was for me, it's, it's a mug of tea and it's like a Tetley's yeah, it's a right. proper brew. 
if we're saying like what is the atypical British tea, then mm. you've got to think of like your sort of like um, your truck driver tea. Exactly. It's not, yeah. It's not a mug. It's a pint of tea. <laughs> it's a pint of tea with about <laughs> twenty sugars in. A bit of like a bit of like Benson and uh, what's it, what the uh, cigarettes called? Benson and Hedges. Benson and Hedges, <laughs> like, like crinkled up, you know, like sprinkled around the rim, like a cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's yeah. For me, I, I would say the actual proper British tea is Tetley's. And knowing my luck, Tetley's is probably from a different country altogether. But in my head, it's something like that. It's a proper brew. Um, something where you've let the... My dad used to always say that you sort of let it brew long enough until the spoon can stand up in it. And then you yeah, know that it's yeah, got yeah. the right kind of strength. <laughs> but um, yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> next question from uh, Karel Taib Siar. Hopefully I've got that name right. Um, which is a you far more... Um, I probably haven't. <laughs> probably a, a far more serious subject matter. Who just says, what do you guys think of the whole Activision Blizzard situation? Um, should gamers boycott games made by them? And then he just says, also, have you ever tried any Indonesian food? So we should definitely start with the Indonesian food and get that out of the way. Otherwise, yes. that's going to be right in the middle of everything else. Sure. I have tried uh, Indonesian food before. I absolutely uh, I love I it. Um, it's like, uh, if, I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, it's like a steamed bun style uh, dish that I had that was Indonesian. It came with a very, very spicy sauce. Um, okay. You basically lift the bun up and it was like you dip the bun into it and eat it that way. And I was right. I don't, I would be butchering the pronunciation if I tried. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, do you know what? I, 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 love, I love a bit of dipping. Like I just saw the other day, I just sort of got like, a, I got a bunch of meats in. I got a bunch of different like sort of like, um, like sweet chutneys in, like like savory chutney things. Mm -hmm, and I just mm -hmm. dipped all the meats in it. And I was like, this is, why do, why do we not do this more? This is brilliant. Well, people did that before, but they were usually like very, very rich and reserved for the King of Spain, <laughs> mate. I mean, like you just described there. Oh, open up my finest chutney collection. Bring in the meats. <laughs> I mean, like, like, the way that you said, like, um, I got some meats over. It's like, oh, do, 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 phone up the lads get the meats in lads. Come on, bring, i want a selection what, of meats bring the salami. I mean, it's still <laughs> it's still wafer thin stuff so it's not like i'm sitting there with like a, you know a specific slice of like a really fancy hog roast or anything it's just wafer thin chicken with a mango chutney i'm just putting them oh, that's a delicious combo. Put, put them all together um in regards to the activision blizzard stuff um the amount of i mean because like i said i'm pulling some questions from last week but the amount of stuff that's happened uh even in last week like imminently endlessly proud of the amount of ground they've been able to cover just standing their ground and just say and managing to do the the protest and they had a whole bunch of support from obviously games journalists even different people in the local area came out to support them um, and they've managed to there's quite a lot of things happened that um jay allen brack has stepped down who's like a long-term uh, ceo or whatever and uh, and they've appointed some different people in the right sort of positions there is still that whole ongoing thing um, with the woman whose name I forget, who uh, put out the initial really tone-deaf responses just saying like, oh, none of this is valid and sort of tweeting it, retweeting a, an article on whistleblowing and just saying that it wasn't, and none of it was valid. Um, clearly it is valid. It was always valid. There's obviously a root, you know, toxic mentality to the idea of um, frat boy culture and minimizing women in any space, let alone the workspace. Um, and yeah, I'm just endlessly proud of them. So I think that I'm, I'm glad that they've been able to get some things sorted because I mean, I... Yeah. Anything to do with bullying and making someone feel small, I'm always going to be like to the core. I'm like, well, I've been through that and it was horrible. Yeah. And so I'm, yeah, stand up to the likes of, of these people. I'm glad they have. Yeah, I think that it speaks as well to the volumes of which um, social media empowers people to be able to actually mm. get these thoughts out there. Like it must have been an incredibly arduous and horrible experience to go through for the first people to start putting out their messages to try and uh, gain support for this and get this like uh, movement going. Mm. So 
it's a wonder to the people that are on social media being able to get that in front of people to get it to the into the hands that matters which are at the end of the day the consumers yeah. of these games and make them aware that your video games may come presented with a package of sweet friendliness and these companies try to pretend to be your friends <clears throat> but there is a lot going on behind closed doors that you aren't ever going to be privy to mm -hmm. and it is important for the industry to maintain this transparency as much as possible it's horrible that um we have to witness like what's that it going took on, this. Yeah, that it yeah. took this to go through to get to that. But mm. you've got to look at it as being like a, um, a smelling salt situation. It yep. wakes you up to the current situ uh, current industry at large. And hopefully it empowers people to start dialogues easier in their own workspace, to stand up for themselves, mm. to unionize in ways that allows them to approach their heads up without fear of repercussion, of being fired, being exposed, being treated like less than their worth. And hopefully this will be a... Uh, a movement that improves the industry going yeah. forward. That's because, the thing as well. Yeah. yeah, it just seems like this is such a like. And obviously, there's there's all the wider mentalities that come with frat boy type stuff. But in regards to Activision Blizzard, like you know, there are all these clips that are surfacing of their general treatment of women over the years. Yeah. Like whether it's old reviews on Glassdoor or that clip that did the rounds from I think it was a 2010 panel, and um, where they just sort of belittled a woman in the audience that was trying to ask a question about the mm -hmm. way that women were dressed in World of Warcraft. Like there are instances of that toxic mentality across their history, and that really sucks. It's clearly been a problem for a long time. Um, I'm just glad that it's being addressed. Um, in regards to you know whether you should boycott the games by them, I always, I mean, it's obviously it's a personal decision. You can, you can do whatever you want. Me yeah. personally, like I, I. I'm always just like, well, someone put their time and effort into coding or the art design or whatever, and I don't want to tar an entire company with that same brush. That's not to discount the reality of the stories that have come out. Like the amount of stuff that is out there does point to an overall company-wide problem um, with Blizzard. But um, yeah, there's that whole thing where I'm like, I would if I was someone who was working on a game and uh, all this horrific stuff happened, I would hate if I was lumped in with those people. It's like, well, I was just trying to do my job and... I'm not about X, Y, Z over there. I'm just trying to do this thing. And maybe you can't be that innocent and maybe you can't separate it. But my, my personal thoughts are it's case by case, game by yeah. game. Again, I, I would have to echo that it is case by case because um, it's like a, the classic case of separating the art from the artist. Um, yeah. You uh, People we know in popular media have, uh, not, not personally, I'm just saying that we know of in popular media yes. have done some incredibly horrible things and yet their um, music, their art, their literature, whatever, will go on to still become like worldwide massive mm -hmm. successes. Um, it is up to you to make a personal stand. If you do not feel like a company is worth your time because it has betrayed the very core elements that make up your uh, morality or your uh, ethics system, then by all means, we fully support your choice to do that, as mm. well as I support your choice for voicing your concerns on social media and getting others to join your cause. I, I can't speak for anyone. All I can say is that my personal experience with uh, the likes of Ubisoft, I haven't touched an Ubisoft title since the uh, whole uh, sort of well, massive wrongness that was going on uh, behind yes. the scenes there. Um, and until I see an actual um, tangible change within that company, I personally will pass on any review stuff that comes up for them. Mm -hmm. um, that's just my thing. It's with Activision and Blizzard. I don't actually play the uh, Call of Duty games. I don't play World of Warcraft. I don't play um, Overwatch. So Overwatch, I'm, yeah. So I'm kind of just like, I'm out of the loop already with that company. And mm -hmm. it's mainly been tired because of the fact that I didn't like either company to begin with because right. of the money grubbing tactics. And now it just feels like it's backed up by an ethical standpoint as well. Yeah, yeah, like which is, I think it's, I think it's completely valid. I think for me, um, just on it's, it's, it feels like a weird 
things to say, but it's like, oh, I'm going to disconnect all this horrific stuff and go, okay, but what's what's the game like though? And just sort yeah. of like do that. And I get that that is a really weird, awkward trajectory to try and like carve through all this stuff. Um, but for me, there is still a base reality of a bunch of people working on a thing, and I want to see yeah. what those people have made um, under the proviso that not all of them are complete, you know, toxic wrongins. Yeah. It's, so they, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's completely, um, uh, what's it called? The, you almost have to adopt a very strange uh, fluid approach to it because mm. you, uh, like, I'm not going to have a go at you, for example. Say you said to me, like, oh, let's go and play Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Like, I would want to play a game with you sort of thing. Right. Like, and I wouldn't judge you for liking Call of Duty despite what had gone on with Activision mm-hmm. Blizzard. But I would always be re- reminded of the fact that what went on has transpired. Yeah, yeah. I think as well, it's for me, It's it depends on how much things come through. Like, if you're literally, if it comes to the, to the point where during these cases, we pinpoint specific people, which has already started to happen, and those people have had specific input on a character design that then mm-hmm. already felt maybe a bit objectionable or a little bit um, ridiculous, let's say, because there's obviously lots of already over-sexualized females in Overwatch, for example. And if they were put together by someone who was later proven to be someone who played a part in all these horrific uh, real-life events, then I'm going to look differently upon that character and the way that they were put yeah. together. So I think that, um, but it's literally case by case. I'm all about like the specificity. Um, but again, it's not to discount the reality of what's happened. I absolutely stand with the people standing up for themselves. Um, and like, and, and I mentioned like bullying before. I, I kind of liken anything to. Um, like, you know, bullying or making someone feel small. And that's kind of like a, most of us know what that feels like uh, to some degree. And obviously it's not the same, but you know, you do have that sort of like anything that makes another human being feel small, like at the absolute base level before you do any of this other stuff, I'm always going to be like, dude, like what the hell? We need to fix this. I think Um, um, what makes me the most angry about all of this though, is that um, aside from a few people who will be like the faces who will get fired or transitioned within the company to different projects. Like you say, if uh, everyone stops supporting certain franchises, it's studios and the workers that will feel mm. the punishment of it. They'll be, uh, their sections will be closed down. They'll be, they'll have their contracts terminated. Get moved on to something else. They'll get moved on to something else that they might make them incredibly unhappy. And it sucks that they are the people that take the brunt of these sort of responses they are the people that should benefit coming out of the other side of this mm-hmm. with better like work environments better treatment better pay better working hours mm-hmm. and yet it's going to be the higher ups that are going to be trying to protect other higher ups like that will just be like okay we just don't get our bonuses this month sort of well thing, like, yeah that's the thing like, that you know they they're, they're barely affected by it. like you know bobby codex stepping in oh yeah it's, it's time we did something about it so like, well you've been completely disconnected from reality for the last 30 years but like yeah. i get that it's not starting to like the main way that you can if you, you know, make a point of boycotting is is be part of the message the overall message that is going on it's conversations like this it's social media it's all that kind of stuff because all that stuff affects the shareholders which is the most direct way you can get back to yeah. activision blizzard um, which is one of the main reasons that they're taking so much action because they had such a drop off in shareholder value. Um, so it's you're you're already doing your part potentially by being part of of conversations online. Um, and so yeah, there's it's an ongoing thing, and obviously it's only been a part of the discourse for the last sort of few weeks. Um, but we'll see whatever happens going forward. So far, though, great strides have been made, and the people that are standing up for themselves could not be more proud of them. Like yeah, them personally. I um, next question from G Tro, who said, I've just got myself a secondhand PlayStation 2 and need recommendations for games. It came with GTA San Andreas and Black. Any suggestions? Oh, that's Black a nice, is a deep cut. That is a uh, nice combo of games, my friends. I mean, I would say get the, Def Jam. 
Oh yeah, Def Jam Fight for New York. Yeah, surely. Yeah. yeah oh yeah, Fight for New York, totally. I like Vendetta yeah. too, but um, Fight for New York is. I just the other day, I think it was, maybe it was when we were talking last week. Something reminded me of old school arcade sports games, and where the living hell has Def Jam gone? Like where? Where that was so well, good. No, Fight for we New York had was so good. Oh, we had um, Def Jam Icon, which absolutely <laughs> buried. The I did sort of bury it a bit. It was the slowest fighter I'd ever played. I was just like, <laughs> oh man, this is boring. dance battles. Yeah, it yeah. Was bad times. Um definitely get yourself either ssx tricky or ssx3 yes. um yes. pick up yourself a copy of god hand uh, get okami get okami get, yeah uh metal gear solid two and three uh-huh uh get come i'm on, trying to think of stuff that Jack like and only... daxter one and two don't yeah, go when you said, like, actually no go to get jack x combat racing that game needs some love. <laughs> jack x is actually all right like consider i think for me i was expecting a crash team racing but like it is solid it's fine i think like as a as a continuation of jack it's good yeah, uh, Silent Hill 2, get that. Yes. Um, Zone of Enders 1 and 2, get them. Um, <laughs> this is just amazing. The best games on PS2, get God of War while you're on. God I, of War I know, I know. We're, we're basically just listing stuff that we have played that we absolutely adore. <laughs> I'm, just trying to, I'm trying to think of like the deep cuts that didn't get enough love. Get I yourself a GCon 45 and get Time Crisis. Boom. Time Crisis yes. <laughs> Mad dog. Mad Absolutely. dog. I'm just, I'm, I'm, yeah, think of the stuff that only mate, we mate, talk about. I, wait, sorry, I'm going to derail this and Do tell it. everyone at home. Have you heard the story about Mad Dog? No, I don't think so. The story. Right, okay. Right. Well, mate, there's a story. Right. <laughs> so, so we all know and love Mad Dog from Time Crisis. Like he yes. appears, he's got his trench coat, he's got his tiny little like uh, Morpheus from uh, the Matrix glasses. Very 2000s. love him. He explodes in the first game, and you're like, "Oh, he's done." Wait, no, he's back. He's two. He's got a bionic arm now. Sick. Has he? And then, yeah. And then it goes to Time Crisis <laughs> Three. It becomes an even more graphic bionic arm that's got like a rocket launcher or a Gatling gun underneath. Okay. It, right. You kill him. You kill him. You kill him. All the way through the series, he keeps coming back, and you start mm -hmm. thinking to yourself, "What the hell is going on? How can Man's we not mad. kill this guy?" Like he, he survives so many explosions that you're just going like, "There's got to be something up here." Mm -hmm. So I did some research, and I was thinking to myself, "Is it just because Time Crisis isn't be taken too seriously?" turns out they take it very seriously but they also uh, whoever makes these games are off the Namco, rails man they are off the rails <laughs> mate because apparently according to some insider sources the reason that mad dog keeps coming back uh, alive is because his soul escapes from hell every <laughs> single time he, <laughs> literally gets, he literally gets sent to hell and fights his way out of hell again That's i love that there's time crisis law that there's like a long <laughs> for i mean how long has that been going like 20 years like more than that i mean i put I it on ps1 no idea, initially man. um no i didn't know the whole the history of mad dog i love that that's a thing though that reminds me like freddy krueger like starting out more as just a regular killer man yeah, and becoming like a supernatural more, more dude crazy. <laughs> Um, but in terms of like, yeah, like a sort of un overlooked PS2 stuff, it would, I mean, I feel like Def Jam's fairly overlooked. I would still point to, I think I mentioned Freak Style and stuff last week. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, you can't, the PS2 is the, the highest selling console of all time for a reason. You should get, um, uh, here's some deep cuts for you. Um, I've just thought of one. Smuggler's Run. Yes. That Rockstar's game original is, stuff. That game is sick. That game was um, great for like 2001. I don't know if it holds up now. Oh, it might, it might not now, but I remember. It, it was great back then. Awesome. Yeah. And, and get yourself Cell Damage, which is, Cell Damage a, is um, such a, show. Uh, a vehicular combat game, but mm. your, all your cars are cartoons. Get the Splinter Cell series. And also, um, last one, Taz Wanted. I'm throwing in Taz Ooh. Wanted. I Something reminded me of Taz Wanted the other day, and I was like, there was a whole Taz. Where did the Looney Tunes games go? That's another thing. Like, just where did they go? Taz got his own game, Taz Wanted. Sell shit, and it was great. 
disappeared oh, with uh, with um uh, busters on the loose or whatever it's called for the snares um it was like the oh the, the little blue kids rabbit. yeah yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, whatever they're called they, that was a wicked game <laughs> <laughs> there was like a whole thing looney tunes racing bugs and tars time busters bugs bunny's own game oh, yeah, like they yeah, just yeah, where yeah. have they gone bring they them back where'd they go um so yeah that's just that's all the ps2 recommendations Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Uh, next question from Jack Asbury. Who here is really looking forward to the Steam Deck? Reckon this could signal the revival of handheld consoles. Maybe a PSVR 2 or something similar. Keep up the good work, lads at UBP. Well, thank you very much. Um, yes, in mate. terms of signal the revival of handheld consoles, the Switch is the most is the highest selling system in the world right now. So it's I would say that's going. But I guess he it, means in a wider sense. Yeah, yeah. I think that I guess you mean handheld consoles as it's only handheld. Yeah, yeah. Like, because uh, the docking feature of the Switch does mm -hmm. it gets used on more often than not. I would say, wouldn't it? Because I love. Well, I mean, you, I. You, you were saying that a lot of people didn't didn't use the docking thing. That's yeah, I did. Well, only for my little Twitter poll, I did a thing of like what do most people do, and it was just play handheld. Josh only plays handheld, and I'm just like, how are you playing a Zelda and not putting it on the screen? 
But um, yeah, in regards to uh, Steam Deck stuff, I, I'm curious with that because I mean, I've I've got one, I've bought one. It hasn't even though it hasn't arrived yet. It's going to be later this year, next year. I didn't but get like, a chance, unfortunately, I missed out. Oh, see, I didn't realize that they were going off how long you'd had Steam. So because I'd had it since like 2004 or something, it was like, oh, you're like a long time member. So you, I got access to that initial quantity of pre-order stuff. I didn't. Um, get it. Luckily, luckily, so um, so I have one. So I'm kind of investing in it. For me, though, it is just a portable Steam library. It's like what the Steam machine was going to be. Um, but I don't know. I'm. I don't think it's weird because on the Sony side, they're doing another PSVR, but they haven't mm-hmm. said anything about Vita doing another Vita and the amount of money the Vita lost them. I just, I wonder yeah. if they're just like, not it's anymore. A re- it's a real shame because the Vita is a phenomenal console. It just mm-hmm. didn't get the support or love that it deserved really. So many, it could be said of so many other consoles back mm-hmm. in the day, but I wish, I wish I could get on board with the uh, Steam Deck because I really want one and I think I want it more than I do a Switch because of the fact that the concept of me being able to travel up to see you guys in Newcastle yes. and playing Fallout New Vegas on the train up, that <laughs> blows my mind. I want to get that. I like that. I was thinking I can, because it, because it's PC architecture, I can play the original Fallouts finally and I can get mm. the, I can have the original Deus Ex on the way into oh, work or whatever. Like, mate. I want that. I can't wait for you to start playing the original Fallout games and then message me just going, this is so hard. This is unfair. What is going on here? I've, already, like, I've seen like enough footage of it to know that it's nothing like what Bethesda did, but I'm just kind of like... It is madness. Yeah. Like, it's I was unfair. watching a fight against um, the master and I was just like, like, click here, stand exactly here. Or you've got yeah. shot from behind. Like, just, yeah. yeah, I'm sure it'll be a good laugh. But yeah, I um, I personally, yeah, really looking forward to it. And I'm curious what happens from here on out. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the Vita is like, was way ahead of its time, but Sony just killed it with... They had like separate memory cards that you had to get from yeah. them. And it was like, yeah. dude, what are you doing? Um, next question from Jem Duduku, who says, what's the best food related game slash mini game in video games? Uh, hands down overcooked. Oh, like, it, because that's all the food oh. and it's stressful and it's fun and things get set on fire and you can throw your teammates off of like little bridges and stuff like that. Were you Good in times. the, uh, were you in the fruit ninja like uh, pop, you know, when there was that big old sort of. Well, fruit that was ninja like young enough bulge. to remember fruit ninjas. No, no, I just saying? mean like because that, that, that was that was the thing. I mean, we were pretty much the same age, but me and you, yeah. when it was a thing, when we were in uh, when I was in university, it was oh my god, fruit ninja, and I, I've yeah. still never played it to this day. But when I think of like food related games in my head, I see fruit being cut in midair. I feel like that's like a big deal. Um, so I'm thinking of that. But um, I'm sure there was a there was a mini game in Bishy Bashy special where you make burgers, and I used to oh, love yeah, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it was I mean, like you hit X circle, and it was like heart, like you know, party lettuce, whatever. Yeah. Big love to Burger Time on the yes. NES. That's that's a good game. Um, biggest love to Burger Time. Big love to um, Overcook, like you said. Cooking Ninja Mama Bread as well. Man. <laughs> Do you remember Ninja, Ninja Bread Man? Man? No. Oh, Ninja Bread Man was a it was a PS2 <laughs> game, which was like an action platformer, but you just were like going around killing people. But you, I love that like name. Based. That's great. Do you reckon they thought of that name first? And it's oh, like, well, we can't let this go. 100%. We're going to have to have to do something about it. Um, next question from King's Cross Road, who says, I just had a son and we named him Dante. Awesome. Hey, um, so I have a brother, call him Virgil. My question is, what video game names are too much for actual children to have? I'm going to uh, say Alucard. Aloy. <laughs> don't, don't, don't call a real life kid Aloy. Like... Solid Snake, maybe? Ninja Bread Man, funnily enough. Ninja Bread Man, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Solid Snake is definitely uh, up there. Awesome. His real name's Dave. Bad. Funnily enough, for Solid yeah. Snake. What's um, what's Raiden's name? Is it Sam? 
Uh, does he have oh, a I put him on the spot. Name? I put him on the spot. I think he picks a name at the end of uh, Metal Gear Solid yeah. 2. Uh, it's Jack. It's Jack, Jack because it's Jack. He's like, do you want to meet Jack the Ripper? He does all that stupid stuff oh. where he starts He starts talking like this. That's so <laughs> bad when he does that. There's so <laughs> many that, right, this is the thing with Metal Gear is that there are so many moments <sighs> that you're like, yes, mate, that was absolutely brilliant. But there are also <laughs> moments that are so cringeworthy. And I can round out the name thing too. Uh, don't call your kid Hot Coltman. Or maybe do. <laughs> And then, then they'd be oh, shoot fat gunner, man. maybe. He's like, yeah. I mean, to be fair, if you owned it, you could absolutely be fat man. Oh, who's coming to the party, fat man? I'll be there. Like, I'll, I'm there. I'm there for minute one. Do you mean? Do you mean scoop or from our school? <laughs> <laughs> That's what the soundtrack school. is. Uh, next question from Travis Nichols, going for Max Juiciness question. Um, he does say, um, this is kind of referencing the Blizzard stuff, um, with issues in the industry like crunch, microtransactions, power versus performance, and also the harassment stuff, um, what are your general thoughts? Do you think that hardware is raising expectations of the higher-ups in a negative way, creating worse working conditions? Yes, um, 100%. Yes, but, I want to tackle this head-on, mate. Um, yeah, man, do it. Because of the fact that I, I've said many, many times that... Uh, the rule of thumb is is that we should not um, be made to pay your bill. That is mm. my mantra going forward um, mm. as a uh, consumer in the video game industry because mm -hmm. with the ballooning budgets for titles uh, that are informed by hardware and hardware expectations and what people would therefore expect from those games that are on those new hardware, it means that they just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm. And as such we are therefore meant to be recouping the losses of these video games because they will be uh, more microtransactions will be put into them. More emphasis will be, yeah, more emphasis will be put on graphics over gameplay because they want it to look really nice and slick because mm. it, it's the easiest way to draw people in. And it will also mean that we'll have just basically tons of features missing that then can be included back in for, like you say, seasonal content or uh, patches and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So, No, man, you're, you're, the, the thing that I guess I would want more exploration into is the is company by company practices. Like how much is it a culture of crunch? How much are you expected to put extra hours in? Um, mm -hmm. Is that resulting in a play in a... Uh, mentality or a general sort of feeling where you can't prioritize your own well-being, your own mental health, your own space away from the job. Um, because it was an interesting thing when all the stuff about Last of Us 2's crunch came out. Um, great interview with uh, Neil Druckmann and Troy Baker. I think it was mm -hmm. over on Kind of Funny. Um, well, Neil Druckmann said, like, look, you know, we tried, put, we put in place specific pre procedures to avoid crunch. Like, you have to go home. You can't work yeah. on this thing. And the employees, specific employees, like, said, like, look, we want to work on this. Like, this is my mm -hmm. passion project. I want to put the time in. So I think it's an ongoing conversation. And it's like, it is that thing where if this is the industry that you've got into and sometimes you want to just work a bit more, um, that sort of push and pull can be massively taken advantage of. And you see that and there are a million stories of it. But I think as that whole idea of like, you know, if we're taking on this five to seven year project and we want to, then is there a space to be able to go all out? And like, is that is that a choice on the worker, on the coder, on the artist versus we're trying to match the shareholder expectations so we need you to stay behind for an yeah. extra three hours? I think it's a, um, a very case-by-case -case basis, company-by-company -company basis. I'd really um, like yeah. to see um, a more... Um... Uh, more clarity when it comes to performance related pay as well yeah, uh, like yeah. if if they if companies could advertise uh, far in advance for each project and make that uh, uh, information readily available that like either shares dividends uh, extra overtime pay um, extra holiday compensation will be given upon mm. completing stuff within certain time limits then i feel like it will alleviate a lot of crunch um, yeah uh, like I'm, I'm, i was going to use the word fear but it's not a fear because it's a reality like, it, like well it's like the um the whole thing with like red dead and rockstar's culture where for, until it became public that they didn't put people's names on the credits if you left before the game shipped, mm. which for a game that takes eight years to be put together, 
um, was massively insulting to the people that might have given seven years to that game. Yeah. And so um, that thing, you know, like shone a light on the way that they sort of like approach that idea of like recompense or like even if it's just a general reputational thing. Um, but like you said, bonus structures, like that's obviously company by company. Um, but something that Sean Layden was talking about, the X, um, the, what Jim Ryan is now doing, like Sony's CEO, play, Sony's PlayStation CEO, um, or the, the face of PlayStation. Sean Layden yeah. was just saying that the way that budgets are now doesn't allow for the likes of, and his examples were Parappa the Rapper or Vib Ribbon. He's like, those are two of my favorite games, and they just would not get greenlit anymore um, because of the amount of money being thrown into these things. And he was, he was very candid about just saying, like, the way that the industry is is not sustainable. You can't have people on average five- to seven-year turnarounds. It has to be smaller teams, smaller budgets, yeah. and better, more unique ideas. You can't yeah. live on endless sequels and massive gambles. Well, that's why I found it very confusing confusing that um, we were hyped to the nines about how the new series of consoles was going to be focusing on originals mm. and original developments and yet we've not actually seen anything of those indie titles really crop up from it like, no not too handful, much yeah. but we've but i remember it was microsoft especially that was like uh, we're pushing for these originals we're having all of these original development teams mm. like uh, square enix came out and said we have got about what they called RPG Factory, where they literally are yeah, just kicking Tokyo out RPG like, Factory. Yeah, literally just kicking out um, RPGs, and yet we've only seen like two or three titles come mm -hmm. from them, and it's just like. Uh, I don't know. I'm still I glad just, they exist. I guess it depends oh, how yeah, it's 100%, done. But it's... In that regard, um, they that model they took actually was what I would like someone like Rockstar or Naughty Dog to do. Like I would love a sequence of Naughty Dog games rather than waiting years and years and years for mm -hmm. another Last of Us. I would love to see what someone like a Neil Druckmann, um, you know, Bruce Straley, Halle Gross could put, put out in between those years. Like I think that's the future. I would hope that that's the future because I think that I just think it's insane uh, metrics to to do this to yeah. sort of put all your eggs in this one insane opulent basket, and um, that in the case of Cyberpunk completely fails. And there's been more high profile failures than there's been successes um, yeah. across the last few years. Like, um, it, yeah. it's it seems like on paper the most obvious thing to do would be a one off one on uh, thing where it's mm. like work on the a Christopher AAA Nolan title, approach, and then you maybe do like two titles off where you split the team into two, and they both like do that. Yeah. You could incentivize it and just be like, hey. Hey, look, not a, it's like a friendly well, competition between them sort of thing. Yeah, the thing that's happening right now in Naughty Dog is that they are remaking The Last of Us because they need time before Neil Druckmann and the rest of them decide what they're doing as the next big project. Which is so mad. it's just Which is insane. It's like, well, can't you just, not just do something original? Like, does he, do yeah. you need... We don't need The Last of Us again. Like, we've already yeah. got a remaster. We literally just got a remaster. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that whole thing. I just want more originality. I want more original ideas. And it ties back into the indie space because it's like so many really cool game mechanics come in the indie space, but they don't have the spotlight of the AAAs. They don't have the reputational boost of the bigger developers um, and there's so much more that could be done there um, mm. a final question from Jacob Wright who says UBP 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 Thank hope you. you're doing well have there been any games of which you've had to take a break from then you come back and have no idea where you are um, I've had to restart Breath of the Wild for the fifth time yeah, hundreds and <laughs> hundreds of times. I've just like been like, I wonder what my last save was. And I'm like, I don't have it. I did this just the other day. Mass I, Effect I, was my one with that one. Right. I, I, I blitzed through Mass Effect 2. Uh, I sort of had a stop-start relationship with Mass Effect 3. Mm -hmm. Mass Effect 1, because it was like, I don't know, I found it the most unpolished of the three. Mm -hmm. I did find it a bit of a slog in some areas, and I left it for uh -huh. like a month or two. I think I was just off video games at that point for a bit. Sometimes I like to take a bit of a break from mm -hmm. it all and then came back to it and just was like, I have no idea <laughs> what am I? who half of these characters are. Like, what's going on here? I did that in, I don't know if you've played Blasphemous, but it's like a 2D mm, soul style game. thing. Yeah, love that game. And I, I banked about five and a half hours into it, and I was like, this is absolutely brilliant. And for whatever reason, I, I moved off it, because that game came out in 2019. So I guess it was just up against Death Stranding, whatever else came out in 2019. 
And, uh, and I went back to it the other day because Josh just went through it and I was like, I'm going to go back and I'm going to polish off that game because it's not yeah. that long. Um, and, I've, and I already have the map is already fully explored or at least I think there's another map, but like whatever, I've done done most of it. And I went back to that game and I was like, I don't know where I was going. I don't know what, I just have no idea. Like it's like in any Metroidvania, if you just, if there's no marker telling you where to go, it's like, well, I'm then just scouring the map for like a yeah. point of a corridor that doesn't look yeah. like it's been explored. And so like, that's where I am right now. I'm just running around in Blasphemous, just going like, is the game around here? Like, is it hidden around this corner? Like I, I have no idea. One extremely quickly final question from last week, Mr. Jules Gill from it. Greg Finger Guns. What dog is the best gaming dog? Right. Okay. So it is a tough, <laughs> tough choice to uh, narrow them down. But recently I spoke at great length about Yojimbo from Final Fantasy X's dog, uh, Daigoro, which is Ooh. absolutely, I love the design. Of him. Uh, I think he's absolutely brilliant. And the fact that he can just run along and just hurl his body and just smash into enemies, <laughs> depending on how much you pay uh, Yojimbo. It's great. I, I mean, see another, your... another Final Fantasy X dog, a Final Fantasy dog in, uh, is um, Renoa's dog. Uh, oh yeah, the little um I forgot you gave it a name. I think I think yeah. I mine Sparky or something like that. Right, right. I um, I would say um a Kami's technically a wolf, so I guess he doesn't really count. But the one I was gonna say is I, I see your Daigoro and I raise you Shadow from Dead to Rights. The dog oh, that can bring you weapons, rip can rip you, can rip people's nuts off, can do kill, go for the throat and do kills. Uh, will save you when you're um, someone's grappling you or whatever in the middle of that game. Uh, Shadow for me is by far the best dog. I think you can even defuse bombs and stuff. Um, but like, yeah, Shadow from Dead to Rights is a, is a massive shower. Um, but yeah, thank you to everybody for sending in their various questions. We still have more we might do. I'm not going to do another rollover to next week. We'll get some new stuff in. Um, sure. But thanks to everybody for sending things in. This has been the Untitled Banter Podcast, the UBP, the UBP. Ivan Scott Hilford, joined by Jules Gill. Thank you for having me. And we'll catch you all next week. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.